0: Very good Wednesday morning to you, Mike McNamara, in for Wednesday edition of All-Marine Radio right here on your home for it. the All-Warrior Radio Network. And uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, on this uh, fall day, the 13th day of October, yeah, it's cold. I'm in my studio in my garage. Had to bust out the portable heater this morning. Yeah, actually, I, I started looking to buy one, and I thought, wait a minute. Didn't I buy one here? And the answer to that was, yeah, I did. So I went looking for it and I found it. Just goes to show you, when you put shit away, it helps. Yeah. Brought it out here, turned it on. Oh my God. Yeah, it's good to be warm. So, um, uh, I'll tell you, I'm not going to do, um, not going to do too much um other than uh the national anthem and uh and then introduce Will Jeff and Tim and then we're going to talk about uh the navy investigation into the USS Somerset and its role in the death of eight marines and one sailor and um again uh, you'll hear the interview and I say this at the end but I want to reiterate this straight at the front right Um, As Marine officers, as Marine infantry officers who served aboard naval vessels, both as embarked troops and, in my case, a ship's company, somebody who was assigned specifically to the ship, Um, we're proud. Um, We're proud of our association with the United States Navy. We're proud of being part of the Department of the Navy. And the American Navy took us anywhere we ever needed to go. Put us ashore and kept us there and took care of us for as long as we stayed and so I think all of us are uh are rightly proud of our experiences and uh and our association with the United States navy uh, but again, just as we take a hard look at things marine uh we are not afraid to take a hard look at things sailor and things navy and so uh and that's what today's about and um I will tell you that upon reading the investigation, um, I was greatly dismayed. Uh, The level of competence or incompetence that the investigation reveals is um, pretty surprising. And I'll leave it at that. And uh, so, without further ado uh, this morning, uh, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this Wednesday uh, morning official. Good morning to you. And um, this is dedicated to uh, to the families of eight Marines and, and one sailor um, for, the, I think, the second time this week. Uh, they're the—they are our fellow citizens who every day live with the pain and anguish of, of what happened uh, off the coast of San Clemente Island. And uh, we will talk about that today. But— uh, Um, again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand and may he hold that palm close to his heart.
2: Challenging conditions and odds can win. You gotta win.
0: We'll uh, check the weather and we'll just briefly check the headlines and then uh, you can hear our discussion about the Navy's investigation. Currently it's partly sunny in Quantico and 72 degrees at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. It is partly sunny, 74, 29 Palms, still cold, fog in 51 this morning, Camp Pendleton, sun and 56, Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy, 74, Okinawa, dark cloudy, 80, philippines dark cloudy 80 and darwin dark cloudy and 82 currently at the home of all marine radio it is fair whatever that means and 50 looking for a high of 73 degrees today 74 tomorrow 87 on friday what the hell happened 82 on saturday and 73 on sunday so that is a look at your weather um Check a few news headlines here before we uh, turn it over to the Mensa brothers, uh, which will happen momentarily. Uh, top headline in uh, Stars and Stripes is in the Army, even a cowboy and rodeo champion has to earn his Spurs as a cavalry scout. So obviously not a, uh, not a heavy news day. In uh, at, at Stars and Stripes, top story in the Wall Street Journal this morning is inflation remains high as supply chain woes persist. Um, top story in the New York Times today is consumer prices jumped last month, worrying Washington and Wall Street. That is in the news this morning. Uh, top story from USNI News is CNO and the SECNAV issued a 246 Navy birthday message. So happy birthday to everybody in the United States Navy. Uh, the 24th MU and the Iwo Jima Amphib- Amphibious Ready Group, ARG if you will, uh, arrive home from their deployment. So that is in the news. Uh, also, the Pentagon denies Chinese accusation of a cover-up in a nuclear attack submarine crash. Um. You knew that was coming, right? Yeah, you knew that was coming. Uh, the Navy has recovered the helicopter and five of the sailors killed in a crash um, off the coast of Southern California here. So that is in the news. Uh, from Marine Corps Times, top headlines are, Here's where the Marine Corps is headed as it shifts away from Afghanistan and the, quote, old wars, unquote. Another article. Marine killed in California dry fire training exercise. Not really sure how that happens. Okay, Lance Corporal Jonathan, a Marine from 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, was killed during service-level training in California, where he was struck in the chest by a bullet on October 3rd. The incident took place aboard Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center in 29 Palms. Lance Corporal Jonathan Barnett, 24, wasn't wearing chest protective equipment when he was hit, his family told a local news station. He was a rifleman in Kilo Company. In an interview with a local TV station, Barnett's mother said the family is still seeking answers to the exact circumstances of her son's death. There, are an hour, there is an hour and 13 minutes that, that are unexplained to us, the Marine's mother told the news station. The cause of the incident is currently under investigation. His wife, Savannah Barnett, is pregnant with her second child. Barnett's body remains in the custody of the Marine Corps as it conducts final investigations according to local reports so the family has been unable to finalize funeral or memorial arrangements. How does somebody get killed in a dry fire training incident? I'm not sure. I mean, again, I, I didn't intend to talk about the news today, but Jesus Christ. Um, top stories in early bird today. I'll just go down the list. Number one, Kabul evacuation was a test of the army's readiness. The force comm boss says, right? That's, uh, general Michael Garrett and, uh, he leads army forces command. That's who I went into post-traumatic waiting for last week. Yeah. Uh, second headline Marine who criticized us handling of Afghanistan withdrawal will plead guilty, seek a favorable discharge. Number three, Navy recovers the remains of five sailors killed in the August helicopter crash of a uh, MH-60. Number five, Army joins Navy and Marine Corps in giving all tenant protections, including disputed process and withholding rent. Now this has been a big uh, you know in in the tenant bill of rights that it's almost 2 years ago um and you're still seeing the the conditions in this private housing aboard military installations you're still st- seeing these kind of stories and it's stupid number 5 archbishop catholic troops can refuse the covid-19 vaccine vaccine Catholic troops should be allowed to refuse COVID-19 vaccines for conscientious reasons, the Archbishop of Military Service USA wrote in a statement on Tuesday. So that is a, uh, that's just a quick look at the headline today, which is all I intended to do and all I will do. Um, so without further ado, uh, Will Cosentini, Jeff Kenny, and Tim Lynch joined me to record this And this is a a look at the findings of fact and the endorsements from the flag officers um, involved in the investigation into the role of the USS Somerset in the sinking of an Amtrak that belonged to the 15th Mew off the coast of Southern California. So this is uh, this is them. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All-Marine Radio on your home it, the one and only All-Warrior Radio Network.
3: There's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me i got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down
0: We've been working on this for a while, uh, just reading and discussing. And so what you're going to hear next is... uh, Something that we've done a little bit in the past, and that is um we have uh taken a look at investigations and tried to do our best to talk about things we understand and then things we don't understand, and then you know based on the various experiences we have uh, in our career uh to to talk about the conclusions that we see and uh we spend a lot of time doing this with the the incident. Uh, that happened uh, in July of 2020 uh, to the 15th Mew with the USS Somerset uh, in the middle of all of this. The Navy has recently concluded their investigation, and um, so we've had a chance to take a look at that. It's on the website. Uh, So if you go to the All-Marine Radio website, if you go to the read board, uh, you will see a copy of the investigation. You can click on that. You can download it. It's a PDF. Um, all of that. So uh, if you want to take a look at that, um, uh, feel free. Uh, joining me um, are uh, Will Cosentini. Will, how are you?
2: Great, Mac. Great day here in Kansas City.
0: a boy. And then uh, from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you?
2: I
1: am doing fine, Mac. All's quiet on the border right now.
0: Yeah. And most importantly, all was quiet when I did the intro. And uh, so uh, so that was very good. <laughs> because you could follow instructions. And uh just recently recovered from a very traumatic experience with a refrigerator between Las Vegas and S- Southern California is Jeff Kenny. He joins us. Jeffrey, how are you?
4: I'm good. Considering. Thank you.
0: You bet. You bet. All right. Um as we as we did last time, Will's gonna kinda of walk us through kind of an overview of the incidents. Uh I'll I'll make a couple comments about Um, I mean, what I did in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, when other people were out and about doing great things, I was running combat operations center. So, um, I'm intimately familiar with how those things operate and I'll have, um, some comments, uh, very quickly about the operations, uh, and how they were run from the combat information center of the USS Somerset. And then we'll kind of open it up and, and, uh, and, and have a discussion after that. So, uh, without further ado, Will.
2: Yeah. So what we're doing is we're talking about the AAV sinking from July 30th of 2020 when eight Marines and one corpsman, uh, were, were killed, uh, in that incident. We talked about this on the show before, but just to review the bidding of what happened, uh, The 15th Mew was doing one of their training exercises. Uh, That exercise was a mechanized raid, think AAVs going from a ship, the Somerset, to an objective on San Clemente Island, executing a tactical mission, and then returning back to the ship. Uh, When they were getting ready to return back to the ship, one of the AAVs broke down on the beach and there was discussion amongst the people there, about how they were going to recover that AAV, whether they were going to get parts to it, et cetera. It was determined that a certain number of AAVs would stay on the beach, uh, and the rest of the AAV platoon with the Embarked Marines from Bravo Company 1-4 go back to the ship. During that shore-to-ship movement, as the AAVs were in the water, uh, one AAV uh, suffered some sort of casualty on it, uh, to the vehicle and had to be taken under tow by another A V. So they proceeded, uh, to, they continued uh, back to the ship. And while that was happening, the A V the AAV that we were concerned with also suffered a series of casualties where it began to take on water. Uh, the crew took limited actions that included signaling uh, to try and draw attention to their distress. Um, the, they eventually got assistance. The assistance was in the form of another AV that came to try and uh, assist them and either bring them under tow or transfer people off of the stricken AV to the good one. Uh, one of those AVs that came to their assistance ended up striking. The vehicle uh, that we're concerned with it turned it broadside uh, to the wave pattern. Waves came in. Uh, A V filled with water and it sank, and those eight Marines and one Navy Corpsman were killed. Uh, and I'm going from memory here. I believe that three Marines ended up escaping and surviving or eventually recovered from that A V. And so uh, the Marine Corps uh, initiated an investigation. Uh, was a staff member of the, of the uh, MEF staff who had formerly been a MU commander uh, named Friedrichsen, and he did an investigation uh, that got published uh, this spring. I want to say April time period. Uh, and as a result of that investigation, uh, the MU commander, the battalion landing team commander, the commander of 3rd AV Battalion at Camp Pendleton were all relieved. Uh, there was a little bit of a uproar uh, about the extent of the investigation and the extent of the accountability that went to that. Um, soon thereafter, uh, the former commanding general of the 1st Marine Division, who at that point was serving as the Inspector General of the Marine Corps, was... Uh. Relieved of his duty. Uh, and. I'm not sure if it was a result of testimony that occurred or prior to the testimony it was prior to the testimony. Uh, the Navy. Began an investigation to determine if there were any Navy specific factors. That contributed to the accident or resulted in the death of those Marines. If we go back to the original investigation that Colonel Fredrickson did, it focused on the Marine Corps actions from the MU. Uh, perspective that included all the equipment that had been sent to the MU and the actions taken to prepare the MU to be able to deploy and then the actions that occurred on that day. So we've done that one. The Navy investigation, which focused exclusively on Uh, US Navy actions. um, Was published uh, last week, I believe. Uh, It was dated in uh, July, so it's been completed for a couple of months. Got published last week after the last endorsement was done. By the commander of Pacific Fleet and I'm just flipping back. I'm sorry, I didn't write the date down, so he. He actually signed off on it on July 2nd of this year, and it was published, got put out on the internet last week. So those are the big blue arrows uh, of the incident. Uh, And when we talk about the investigation, the Navy investigation has got, oh, uh, 12 references and 97 enclosures. uh, And it. About the first third or so of the investigation explains. What should happen in these kind of events? Basically, the investigating officer goes through all the documents, all the standard publications uh, that are out there and describes in some detail about who and what billet is responsible for each part of the movement how they're supposed to communicate internally and externally, who has decision-making authority. Uh, and then he, as he reviews those documents, he points out some gaps where a Navy publication may say one thing that's required and a Marine Corps publication says another thing, and there's a little gap in there. So he describes some of those uh, things in his setup, but he very clearly lays out in those oh, 60, 70, 80 findings of fact about how things should have happened. Uh, then he goes through the incident of the day from the view of uh, the Somerset and from the Fibron commander or the commander of the amphibious task force about what actually did happen. Uh, the big blue arrow of the result, uh, is that uh, the Navy determines that um, there the the Navy determines uh, that the nothing that the Somerset did or didn't do directly contributes to the death of these Marines and and Corman. Um, He further states based on things in the investigation that. uh, The commander of the Pacific Fleet is going to take administrative action. Against the Fibron commander, the CEO of the Somerset and the tactical action officer who is on board Somerset and that administrative action did not result in their relief uh, that we know. But what we don't know what that administrative action Is. um, Likely to be some sort of letter. uh, Put in their permanent file which would preclude them from being promoted again, Um, but no direct accountability of any of those officers for any of the events uh, that occurred So That is the big. Overview of what occurred and from that Mac. do we want to drive into further detail, or do we want to shift you and then go into detail as we discuss? No, specific? I think we should
0: go into to to detail first, and then and then we'll do everything after that.
2: Okay, um, if, if when you read the investigation, uh, it's it's clear, at least in my mind, from the documents that the CEO of the Somerset. The Somerset is designated as the primary control ship of this movement. The CO of the Somerset is the primary control officer of this movement. Uh, And in the investigation, uh, something comes out that is really pretty striking uh, in the findings of fact that the CO of the Somerset uh, and the tactical action officer of the Somerset really did not know what was going on on the beach. For example, the CEO of the Somerset says that he did not believe that he had the authority to abort or delay a splash from Somerset back uh, from the beach back to the Somerset. Also, the CEO of the Somerset and the officer of the deck on the Somerset, We're not aware of the times that the AAV platoon planned to splash back. Uh, He says that they did not launch safety boats because the AAV platoon did not request them. If we remember from the previous investigation, there was a real discussion around safety boats, and this is a key point. The instructions require safety boats for AAV movement. That can be mitigated if not, if not enough safety boats are available by having an AAV act as a safety boat. To act as a safety boat, the AAV needs to be empty and clearly designated. The idea being if there's another AAV in distress, you gotta have an empty one there so you can transfer the people over to it. Uh, So the morning of the launch, Somerset had casualties to their boats and were unable to launch. And then they assumed that on the return trip, the AAVs were gonna act as their own safety boats as in theory they did on the way to shore. Something that comes out in this investigation that um, the AAVs when they went from the ship to the shore that morning, actually didn't act as safety boats. There may have been vehicles that were designated, but they were not empty. Uh, And that comes out in the investigation because that designation didn't occur until the AAVs were ready to launch. For them to empty those vehicles would have required Somerset to pump all the water back out of the well deck, evacuate those vehicles, and have them clearly designated. That didn't occur. Uh, And that should have been obvious to everyone on board. So now on the return trip, the CO of the Somerset assumes that the AAVs are going to act as the safety boats. The AAV platoon commander on the beach assumes that the Somerset, in accordance with what the doctrine is, when they give them the authority to go back in the water to head back to the ship, assumes that the Somerset has got safety boats in the water. And so there's a gap in what uh, each person thought uh, was going to occur Um You know, one man's opinion, the the only person. Who has. Who has any accountability or authority for that is COS Somerset. He can't assume. Uh, that that we're going to just violate the com nav surf pack Surfland order that requires safety boats in the water. And so his assumption of that is a complete abrogation of his responsibility. also in the findings of fact. Uh, it, it states that the COS Somerset and the tactical action officer were surprised when they found out that the AVS were heading back to the ship. Uh, the idea that as the primary control officer that you are completely responsible for this movement that you're surprised. That the vehicles have launched. There's a complete breakdown in command control and responsibility uh, on board Somerset. Uh, and, and the CEO of the ship should have taken very clear and distinct action right then and there to regain control uh, of the operation, which he failed to do. Um, the, the investigation gets into a little bit. Again, if we reflect back to the former investigation, Somerset, Was doing flight operations uh, just prior to this AAV launch back, and as a result, could not have their lookout, the lookout posted in the aft of the ship, who would have been responsible to be tracking the AAVs coming back. The lack of that lookout meant that no one on the ship saw the distress signal uh, from the AAV, the stricken AAV, which eventually sank. So the CO of the ship basically got overwhelmed by the operations or maybe he wasn't overwhelmed. He just didn't know that they were going to happen. And so didn't go through a required checklist, which should have said, lookouts are posted. Um, So another failure uh, by the CO uh, of the ship. Um, There was also significant confusion on board Somerset about, the number of AAVs that were having uh, difficulties in getting back to the ship. We remember one AV had a casualty and was taken under tow, and that all the focus of the ship turned to that AAV. When it was determined that another AAV was also suffering a casualty, there's obvious confusion on board Somerset. Are we talking about two AAVs? Are we talking about the same AAV twice? And that likely delayed uh, any response by the ship uh, to the second AAV, the one that eventually sank. A third thing that comes out in the investigation that clarified something for me, if we go back to the original investigation, there was discussion about um, how stricken is a stricken AAV, i.e. water above the deck plates in the floor of the vehicle, water at the boot top level, uh, water, at the knee level, and there was a mention in the original investigation about the H&S company commander from the BLT explaining to someone in the L F O C, the Landing Force Operations Center, that Marines wouldn't evacuate until the water was chest deep. That That one really surprised me, one, because it's a complete falsehood and ridiculous. And the second thing is, I thought at that time that that h company commander was actually on board the command ship, the LHA, which I forget what ship was out there. Them at that time, it was not co-located on board Somerset. Well, it turns out he was in the Landing Force Operations Center in Somerset and explaining to the people on Somerset when they eventually got information about an AV being a casualty. That they didn't need to evacuate it, and I think that his contribution was to lessen the sense of urgency on board Somerset about what activity they should be taken to go assist this stricken AAV. Um, I I found uh, a lot of the other findings of fact clarified in a little bit greater detail than Captain Fridri- or Colonel Fredrickson's investigation about specific actions on the AAV, but I don't know that they're material. They were just greater detail. Uh, and then I, I would say that the last thing that this investigation really brought out uh, in a really sort of negative way to me is um, the recommendations. um, There are some good things in there about clarification of some of these doctrines and manuals uh, and other things, Um, but the findings of fact scream operational incompetence on board Somerset. The. The recommendations don't seem to. Um, scream accountability for that incompetence. The Navy seems to take a very technical look at this. Uh, and we need to improve our rules and regulations. Although my conclusion would be had they followed normal rules, regulations, and best practices like using a checklist. Uh, that could have. Cut off. Uh, this incident well before the stricken AV even got back in the water and sank, and so the idea that Somerset did not materially contribute to the loss of life, I think is uh, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, the the AV crew did not take the proper actions. They were not well trained. The platoon and the Marines on board on there were not well trained in, in what the condition should have been and the actions they should have taken. But I would say they never should have been put in that position on that particular day. Uh, and I... Put a lot of that responsibility on Somerset uh, for those things. And, and part of my opinion is based on I had a conversation over the weekend uh, with my former CEO on Whidbey Island. When I was a company commander, I had a track, you know, we were a mech company and we did. I can't tell you how many of these operations. Um, I never doubted uh, that the CEO knew his business well and absolutely knew his responsibilities uh, and was not afraid to exercise them Uh, and one of his you know the biggest responsibility is make sure that those vehicles are safe while on board his ship that they safely transit to the beach and that he's in control of that movement the whole way and that you don't come off the beach to go back to the ship until his ship is in the proper position and proper condition uh and all of those conditions are met uh, to include supervising you and making sure your conditions are met one of the things that we had to do was send a report to the beach which detailed uh, the number of people on board that all the proper operational checks had occurred uh, the communications was set uh, etc and the CEO of the ship supervised that even though it was my responsibility and he would not have allowed us to go back in the water uh to go back to the ship because he was responsible for that movement uh and this investigation does not seem to uh reinforce the accountability of the co of the somerset uh for having those command responsibilities uh whatsoever Um, so um This is 39 pages. I could go on for three hours uh, in detail about these kinds of things, but I'm going to cut there for a second.
0: All right. Let me just, um, um, as I said before, what I did in Iraq and Afghanistan for uh, most of my time was uh, I ran operation centers and worked in them for the, I worked at him for the, at the division level. And, uh, and then I, I, I ran one for Fifth Marine Regiment in Fallujah, and I ran one for RCT One in Afghanistan. And um, so that's what I that's what I did for a living, and I took pride in it, and I and I took pride in that we were good at what we did, and we made everybody's job easier. We caught things that needed to be caught. We identified problems early because um, we had our head in the game, and that was our job to do. So I mean. I look at this investigation from that lens, and so let me ju- i'm just i'm gonna go through about i don't know eight bindings of fact number eighty one the message directed Somerset as the p c s right which is a primary control ship to execute positive control over the AVs during the waterborne operation okay um and let me just backtrack one once uh finding a fact seventy five during the brief the CADAF, which is the commander of the Amphibious Task Force, right, the overall, you know, naval officer in charge, commander of the landing force, which is CO 15th Mew, and the, so- the the Somerset CO agreed that if the safety boats from the Somerset would not launch on the morning of 30 July 2020, then two AVs would be designated as safety boats. So that's in place. We talked about who would exercise positive control. Uh, finding, in fact, number 84, the Somerset's PCS, Intention's message reiterated the above policy and procedures for control of landing craft, specifically stating the AVs will operate under positive control of the PCS. Right, uh, number one twenty-three. Um, says this. Let me get there. Um, headquarters of service company commander, the watch officer located within the LFOC landing force operations center. On board the Somerset was in communication with the AVs on Boat Alpha, all right, that's a radio frequencies, during the AV transit to Somerset. The PCO believed when the AVs were feet wet, that means when they're in the water, they were communicating with on Boat Alpha and were not communicating directly with the SOM CIC. The PCO was unaware if the AVs were communicating with the SOM. during the transit so you can see the confusion there right the somerset cic right and and the ship's captain is specifically charged with monitoring and executing that movement right they're not privy to the communication okay um number 30 According to the SOM, Somerset CIC watch supervisor and AV wave commander, okay, so that's the wave commander that's with the AVs coming back to the ship. The Somerset CIC watch supervisor, through the boat alpha radio transmission, provided permission for the AVs to splash from the shore. So you have the Somerset watch supervisor, a chief, I would think, or a senior petty officer, giving the the Amtrak's permission to splash, yet he doesn't communicate that with anybody. Okay? Um, So that's 33. Somerset Tactical Action Officer and Somerset Senior Watch Chief, both located in the CIC, were surprised when the AVs went feet wet and were unaware of prior permission that was communicated by the Somerset Watch Supervisor to the A V Wave Commander over Boat Alpha. Right? So I mean so what you're looking at is um I'd be i I'd be generous saying poor performance. It's amateurish, okay? When people are gonna put their lives in harm's way, that this is this is the kind of shit that's going on. And what it what it, this tends to be reflective of people who don't think anything bad can happen. And it, it's a cl- cavalier way of doing operations. Alright? Um will alluded to this, but let me read this specific finding of fact number one thirty seven somerset c o believed that as the p c o okay now let me just reiterate what that is as the primary control officer of the primary control ship, right that he did not have the authority to abort or delay splash back to the Somerset from San Clemente Island, his attendance at the confirmation brief caused him to believe. The authority to delay or abort splash and apply go, no-go criteria from San Clemente Island was the responsibility of the RFC, which is the Raid Force commander, which would be a Marine captain. You read that. That to me is stunning. Number 138. The Somerset OOD and the Somerset commanding officer were not aware of the established splash times provided to CIC and were unaware of prior permission that was communicated by the SOM watch supervisor to the AAV wave commander over boat Alpha. Both were surprised when the AAV splashed back to the ship and were alerted to their return by the OOD visually seeing the AAVs in the water. So that's the commanding officer of the Somerset. And the officer of the deck, right, learn about it when the officer of the deck sees them with his binoculars. Okay, now, let me just tell you this. The way a bridge works, there's junior officers of the deck up there, and and every bridge has what are called wings. And you have observers out there with binoculars. None of them see any of this. And you have the officer of the deck see it, and that's how he and the CO are both informed of it, right?
2: If we could just hone on this for a second, too. The primary control officer uh, is the commanding officer. So when it says positive control, the idea that a junior watch supervisor somewhere on the ship abrogates the authority of the commanding officer to give directions is a complete violation of everything associated, only the PCO. Can I interrupt a little bit? You,
4: can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I've been through eight of these PTPs, four of them as a guy, you know, going, getting ready to go out on a meal and then four of them as an evaluator. The payment is meant to unfuck these problems that besiege these guys, and they were on their payment. So a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, like the lack of communication, the guy who like let the av splash and so forth that's shit that just happens because no one knows what they're doing yet and they're not used to working as a team you know there's some things that are unconscionable in this thing like the guy saying i didn't know that i was <laughs> i was supposed to be the one who brings a who lets a you know uh, vehicles leave or come back to my ship but uh that's the whole idea behind PMIN is working these bugs out and the idea is you do very basic ops during the day you know, in order to uh, to work this stuff out, and uh, I'm just I just want to throw that in there, so it doesn't sound as egregious. You know, as you're saying, I, there are some egregious things for sure. You know, but uh, that is the truth of this. If if you look at the first time we we splashed at sea, working with a new ship, you know, I mean, everybody has rose-colored glasses when they look back in their memories of how the things were for them. But I'll tell you, I watched it again and again. People start out Muse their first at C period is a fuck story, and then the, by the time they do the uh, the third at sea period, their comp two X they're pretty good, and it comes through you know hard work and stuff. So I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here, and I know we'll go through it that's fucked up, but just let's be you know to these guys are not this it it doesn't you know uh, it's not a harbinger of the end of Western civilization here. You know this is what ha- this is why they do the first at C period. And they do basic ops to iron the shit out. It's a horrible, bad thing that happened, you know, exacerbated by some other, you know, issues. Is you know what's, what's happened here? But that's the truth
2: of it. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would say as a, as a counter to my colleague, though, that to be the CEO of the ship, uh, it, it if the proper uh, message yeah. has gone out. Yeah.
4: Then there's some unconscionable stuff. Right. There's some unconscionable stuff that I, happened that made this thing terrible. But, but a I, lot of this I, is just, you know, like the guy who doesn't let anybody know that the he told the guys to splash, that's just, you know, dildo uh chief stuff or, or you know, senior petty officer stuff. Yeah. It's like the idea of them uh you know having their, their brief about splashing before they had the confirmation brief. I have to tell you, that's routine. These guys know when they're gonna They got to get everybody ready to go it's an admin
2: thing for them you know but 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 i would i would say jeff that um that granting authorities to do things in the name of the ceo yes uh, that's terrible and and that's what they did here Mm -hmm. the primary control officer did not have control and that's a very right. clear designation as a CEO of an amphib, that you're going to be primary control right. officer for this type of movement. I mean, the idea that they would conduct flight ops without telling the CEO that conditions. were I see. know
4: it's insanity, man. That part of it, right. I, I totally agree with you guys. And, a lot and of this, you know, it's not endemic. I mean, it may not be an endemic throughout the whole Navy. You know what I'm saying? It's just that uh, and i I mean that's the the tempting
3: thing
0: to say, you know, but uh No, and again, I I would say that what, what I would say is if, if to to grant them permission and not announce it to the CIC like yeah, that that's that's in my opinion that's outside the bounds of what is even remotely close if you're going to work in there. It is it is that's what we do, right? We track these things. And, and 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 again, the other thing I haven't even said is that there's a thing called an execution checklist that doesn't even get mentioned. It doesn't get used evidently in this operation, and 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 for that not to be uh, part of this operation indicates a level of amateurishness, uh, a level of inexperience. If I if I'm being generous, and nobody says anything to write that, I mean it's 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 it's, it's, stu- it's stunning. It's stu- right.
4: You're absolutely right. I mean, I got two, two guys who I critiqued about exactly the type of stuff to where lives could have been lost during the fucking first at sea period, and both of them are general officers now, and and they they their guys. You know, caught up and did well in the next two. I mean, uh, this this bunch. I mean, the the this the you know the finding of fact that you know that where the guy says I didn't know I I was responsible for. That's horrific. Every CEO of a ship should know that that's you know, that that is beyond the pale. You know, that, that that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, the whole idea at sea periods is it's very difficult to do Marine and Navy coordination in amphibious operations. It's Hugely difficult. And so this type of shit happens. They got their way of doing things. We got our way of doing things. And, uh, you know, it, it, and, and these things happen. But I I'm I just don't want to give you guys the impression that I'm not saying this isn't some egregious shit that happened here. It is. It's beyond that. It's beyond the normal stuff. But a lot of the stuff is pretty normal, you know?
0: Well, again, I, I think there's, there's certain mistakes that people make in those situations that, that, that are part of learning. There's other Mm -hmm. mistakes that are not part of learning and they're too basic. And when you look at these and you think, what in God's name is going on? If somebody's in that position, right? Is not sharing information. It's not communicating that to the officer of the deck, right? I mean, oh yeah, like, it, it, right. And you, it's, you, you, you're you right. It, that's outside the left and right lateral limit. Let me. I have one more finding of fact, and then we, then you, you guys can have the floor. Sure. Um, it's finding of fact one thirty nine, and which will be the last one, and that is this. Uh, the SOMCO Co. reported that the ship did not subsequently launch safety boats for the A V recovery. Which is what had been briefed in the in the uh, confirmation brief, because the AV platoon did not request them. He believed that the AV platoon would provide the same two empty AVs. He believed launched as safety boats during phase two. Now, I have this to say about that: if I'm tasked as an officer, right, with something, right, I don't assume that task away. Because we made a different arrangement this morning. If that's a task, right. I have to confirm that in fact that's going to happen. Right? And if I don't confirm that, then I'm still on the hook for it. And so once again, you see this um again, I, I'd use the word amateurish. This this yes. amateurish assumptions about operations where people, if you fuck them up, will get dead. And you see this over and over in this. And so I I I will tease a conclusion of this, you know, uh, of this here now, and that is this, right? In one of the endorsements, I don't remember which one of one of the, the the flag officers, right? It would be speculative, right, to say that that the presence of safety boats would have prevented this. Well, here's what I have to say about this. Damn, it would, it is it is it is incredibly speculative to absolve the commanding officer of a United States Navy warship, right, and to ferry dust his culpability away because there was a day in the American Navy that you were responsible, and that was the one question court-martial. And the Navy used to be really good at this. And now what they've done is you've seen all these findings of fact. You've looked at this horrible execution and and these horrible errors. You're tasked with something. And you just you just say, well, I assume they were going to do it. You assume they were going to do it. You're responsible for the movement. And then people died. And somehow or other, you got fairy dusted out of the discipline that got handed out. I mean, that is not the American Navy that, that any of us grew up in. And so to me, from an operations perspective, what you see... Right, is you see people not sharing information, which is integral to the Combat Information Center. I know because I worked in them. Right, I worked in the Rangers Combat Information Center. You, you, you see the bridge is ignorant of what's going on, and it's the CIC's responsibility to maintain a steady flow of information from the CIC to the bridge to make sure the OD, the Navigator, and the JODs all know what the fuck's going on. That does not happen. Who is responsible for that? That is the CEO of the Somerset. Okay, so again, from an operations perspective, as Jeff said, there's 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 novice mistakes that people make when you get together. These, to me, fall outside of those norms, outside the left and right lateral limit. So, CEOs, uh, up stuff now. for sure. Well, you,
1: you know, it's not like the Navy's shy about relieving commanding officers. they they've already relieved four this year, including one guy who was relieved of destroyer command for bringing aboard an AK-47 on a plaque. The, the into his wardroom. Apparently, that's that's verboten. The rest of them are all something to do with sexual harassment, which generally means boy-girl stuff, which is typical in the Navy. Now, it's it's a mystery to me how how this guy skates like that. But here's here's what this investigation does. It lays out in a very precise way what the training sequence is. And for the for the amphibious ready group, it's a maintenance phase, a shakedown phase, a basic phase, advanced phase. And then the integration phase, the integration phase, the PMA. Right. Yeah, the SOMCO executive officer, plans and tactics officer, and TAO, none of them were aboard during the, the basic phase training. So that's three steps into the training process. Your, your commanding officers aren't <laughs> even there. But that basic phase, by the way, was held back in 2018. 2018. I I don't I it doesn't sound like the the kind of workup for a twenty twenty float, so 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 that's where it starts and then you and start. The co was issues.
4: relieved in twenty eighteen. Remember, which one? Of the of the Somerset, they had a co relieved in the, in the middle of uh, that basic phase.
1: Oh, I did not know that. No, I, yeah. I did not know that. And that's
4: the last guy to get relieved, not the. Not the guys who caused death and destruction, but God knows why he got relieved, but he did.
1: yeah and then and, and then you go into the Navy's uh, investigation as they start getting into the meat of this thing with their with their uh with their uh, opinions, they do it with a question and answer. It'll be an italic question uh, and then it will be an answer. I don't know who wrote up those questions. But I swear to God if you listened to us talking about it last May, I think they got them from us. I mean, it's it's almost exactly the questions we were asking, and the answers are never very good. For instance, when the combat, when this, when it was determined that they were not going to send a safety boat, the SOM, and the Marines were going to use two AAVs, the combat cargo officer said, "Well, you can't exit the AAVs. We've already sunk these things, so you're not, you can't do that." Combat cargo officer at that point should have called a timeout, because you now you've got to reset everything. So the the combat cargo officer identified as a naval officer in this thing normally a marine officer, um, she, she that was a failure on her part. And then as you go through these things, as you ask the questions and answer these, it's it is nothing but a a, a comedy of errors, to which at the very end they say yes, but if AAV fourteen hadn't hit AAV five and knocked it sideways into the wave, they wouldn't have died. So it's not on us, just because we were. We should have had red clown noses and clown shoes on while we were doing our watch standing. It was that ridiculous. They still somehow shift the blame away and put it all on bad maintenance uh, on the Marines. And as something else that's really weird, and I'll turn it over to Jeff, and that is as you get towards the end of this thing, um, when, you're, when, when bodies are popping up on the water, uh, the BLT executive officer dove in and grabbed one of those Marines. And he's not named, so I assume it was one of the Marines— that survived and administer him CPR. Where the hell he come from? Where was he in all this kind of stuff? You don't see it until findings of fact 207. And I want to say one final thing about this name investigation is what bothers me the most. It is very difficult to understand the atmospheres, the, what one atmosphere and two atmospheres and what that does to your personal protective equipment. Jeff explained it very well when we were talking about this before, and although I had heard safety briefs when I was in when I was uh, uh, I was a helicopter guy in these Mews, I never understood what the hell that meant till I was until uh, I got my scuba certification and actually experienced being under an atmosphere, you know, 30, 60, 90 feet. And those damn kids, when they hit those CO2 cartridges, in their minds, I'm sure they were shooting to the surface and they were stuck at 30 feet and 60 feet just looking up at that water. And that haunts me. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an old spear gunner, uh, spear fisherman, and, and we do that, you know, lots of weights, no uh, no air tanks. And I've been looking up at that, thinking, shit. I hope I'm going to make it. And I've hit that COT cartridge before on my on my spear fishing rig at about thirty feet to get up there. That haunts me. What happened to these kids? And that's the, the worst part about that. is so preventable.
4: You know, Mac, what you said about the. Uh... You know, uh, finding a fact 137, that's the most telling thing about this whole thing, that the guy didn't even know that he was the man. You know, Though every, every AAV op I ever went on as a lieutenant and then again as, as a company commander and then that I oversaw as a MU-3, the Navy has primacy over that, you know, that ship-to-shore and shore-to-ship movement, and they jealously used to, you know, I mean, to to guard it, yeah. even up to when I was uh, doing e- EOTG ops for two math, you know, as the as the uh, EOTG guy. They were like, you know, they're the Nazis of that. And, you know, and they would say, no, Marines, we're not taking you up. So you do a great tactical exercise. You're heading to the beach. You're going to splash and bring your evacuees or just get your ass back after it's successful. Race. They say, no, the problem stops now because we say the sea state is too rough and you're not coming back. And here's this guy saying, I didn't know that it was my responsibility to decide when the AAVs came back. That's just the rankest bullshit, if you ask me.
2: You know? Yeah, Mac. I, and the most know, egregious part of this. Something that gets me if you look at Finding a Fact 149 and 150, that describes what's going on on Somerset. 149, Somerset Officer of the Deck radioed Somerset CO that AAVs were in the water and recommended that their recovery be prioritized over flight operations. So Somerset's doing flight ops. Somerset CO agreed with the recommendation. That's 149. 150 at 1709, Somerset, officer of the deck, realized that AAVs were not traveling inside the designated boat lane and Somerset needed to land a helicopter. The OD turned the ship in order to both set up for recovering the AVs and landing the helicopter. So the CO has agreed with a recommendation that AAV recovery is going to be prioritized over flight operations. Then I mean, no shit. That's like a no shitter. Then the OD realizes that the AVs are not exactly where they're supposed to be and that they need to land a helicopter so she maneuvers to be able to do both at the same time. So this is not Monday morning quarterbacking at all. If AV operations are prioritized, then you tell the helicopter to go away. Wave off. And you Mm -hmm. set up the ship. So the CO seems to be an almost casual observer. So Mac, you've been on the bridge of carriers, I've been on a bridge before of different ships. And if things get dicey, normally what occurs is the CO is sitting in right. a chair observing on the bridge. Uh, the OOD is given some direction that the CO doesn't agree with. The CO counters the order, and it's sounded on the bridge captain has the con. So the CO of the ship, instead of being in charge of his ship and having people on the bridge understand when the CO gives guidance, i.e. concurs with a recommendation, that that's what we're going to do. And then when they don't do that, the CO doesn't step in to immediately correct them on that. Again, it's an abrogation of your responsibility of being the CO of the ship let alone being the primary control officer. Um, What was your quote yesterday, Mac? (laughs) I mean, Gilligan looks like Bull Halsey compared to this crew.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, let me just tell you, my experience on the bridge of an American aircraft carrier in 1987 and 1988 when Don Baird came on the bridge, right, and you heard those words, Captain Azakon. the things he said, I mean, it's like he knew more, it's like if we all took our rank off, who would we vote to be in charge of this thing? It would be that guy right there. The, what he, what he knows the way he handles himself i told a story um a couple of days ago about you know us going to cross paths with a with a with a tanker at night he comes walking on the bridge you know tying his robe changing course telling people to stand by to, to to sound the collision alarm stand by to go to general quarters blah 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 and i was just standing there going wow that's why this guy's in charge and and they are Um, when he was on the bridge, right, he made everybody better. He knew everybody's job. He knew where we were supposed to be and what we were supposed to be doing. He was anything but either a casual observer or somebody who was going for a ride-along. He was not that guy. And and let me tell you, I don't care what we were doing. We used to do something called proloads, which are practice loading of nuclear weapons, right, onto aircraft, onto A6s that then took, we then launched them and then recovered them. And so it was Marines guarding nuclear weapons, and he was he was he'd be all in our shit throughout the whole thing, and he knew everything about it. He was not somebody who walked over to observe. And let me tell you, and and it's not like he'd ever been the CEO of an aircraft carrier before. I mean, he was on that shit. And 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 the, and the picture that gets painted here is anything but that. And 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 again, exactly. And his. His leadership seems to seep into the CIC. I cannot imagine, you know, that, that we're at sea, for instance, okay, so they're doing amphibious operations. They've been at sea for days. And if they if this was the way that COC ran, you had plenty of time to see it. You had plenty of time to unfuck stuff. Hey, wait a minute. Everybody pay attention. When you hear something right that gets announced to the whole room and it gets announced in your big boy or big girl voice everybody understand cuz we all fight this fight and we and, and we all share this information right and and that obviously doesn't happen and and so you see his lack of a his lack of having an edge right his lack of aggressiveness it seems like it seeps through the through the crew because the CIC operates it seems like as bystanders and sometimes they pass information most of the time they don't and uh troubling absolutely troubling Uh,
4: another interesting you're giving the lawyer speech from cane mutiny good job and and, tough sharp guys tough sharp guys who didn't crack up and yeah that's exactly what what barney said the lawyer remember the guy the wounded guy who's like a Here's to you, Kiefer, and he throws the booze in the guy's face because he's a. But yeah, you just said it. That's the way we want the Navy to be. They, they absolutely know their fucking shit. You know? well, what's
1: an interesting? interesting oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Will.
2: You know, when you get into the recommendations, so if you if you trace the course of who the CO is, so to be the CO of an aircraft carrier, you have to have been the CO of a deep draft vessel previous to that. So what used to happen is uh, all the oilers and the amphibious cargo ships were considered deep-draft vessels. So that was the practice ship for that CO. And if they had a successful tour, they could compete for command of an aircraft carrier. And then aircraft carriers, typically, uh, the prospective CO would go be the EXO of the aircraft carrier for a period. Uh, And then, he would fleet up to be the CO. So he had experience as a ship's captain, because remember, these guys are aviators who are the COs of right. these aircraft carriers. They've had experience as a as a ship's captain. They've had experience on the ship as the XO. So they understand everything that the ship is supposed to be able to do, what it can do, what it can't do, rules, regulations, doctrine, et cetera. Right. Then they become the CO. Right. So but the will now started, a
4: lot of those guys becoming CO. A lot of those guys you're talking about are now becoming, because of the lack of, you know, of uh, those uh, other ships you talk about, they're becoming right. amphib COs. And, right. they're, and then so, they're fleeting up to, you know.
1: so they're, exactly the
4: point.
2: And, so, and,
1: and that so, might be, I
2: don't know if that's the case in the Somerset guy, but, I mean, it sounds so, like it might be. So as the Navy shrank, what they did is the surface warfare community used to be the COs of these amphibs. Uh And typically, to be the CO of an amphib means that you would spend a department head tour and perhaps an XO tour on a different amphib at some other time. And you came in to be the CO. Well, we gave up all those ships. We had to find prospective COs of aircraft carriers. uh, And so you have much, much less experienced COs of these amphibs. So the recommendation from the Navy is to assess the XO-CO fleet up assignment process of all L-class ships, i.e. try and use the aircraft carrier model. If you're going to bring a guy in from the outside, i.e. an aviator, then you should make him be the XO of an Amphib before it becomes a CO of an Amphib. Um, and it 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 sounds like a potential uh, reasonable mitigation, uh, but... Do the math, but will you know what guy,
4: I saw in Lejeune? What I saw at Lejeune was all these guys are becoming CEOs of Amphibs, and their exo is a no shit amphib, you know, officer. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't shake out that way over and over again. You know, the LPD and the LSD guys were fucking uh, aviators. You know, I mean, fixed wing F-18 guys and shit who were you know just getting their ticket punched on a, on a and they're using Amphibs to do it. So I don't know.
2: I mean, it's a ship availability thing. I think you know, and and that's that's the point. You know, they they go through this. We kill nine people. We identify significant gaps in. Is that guy an aviator? The, the the pot the the captain. Yeah. All right. I should have known that probably, but so we identify significant gaps in competence. And instead of reviewing what used to be successful, i.e. have people that are experienced in amphib operations at department head and exo level from the service Navy become COs of these ships because this is dangerous business and it's important, Right. we we come up with an idea of another Band-Aid. Well, if you wanna be the CEO of an aircraft carrier, you gotta be the CEO of a deep draft vessel. Deep draft vessels in an LPD. Now you got to yeah. be the XO of an LPD before you can become the CO of an LPD, before you become the XO of a carrier, before you become the CO of a carrier. And before you know it, the guy's 72 years old before you can ever <laughs> get to command. I know. How, when do they learn how to
4: fucking shoot people down like Tom Cruise and stuff? Because they're, they're also aviators too. When do they keep sharp on
2: that? Yeah, it's fucked up. So, yeah, again, after all this, the Navy has done this huge, deep dive, and they come up with a Band-Aid that, instead of just addressing the issue of competence at the right. CO, they're going to try another method uh, to try and mitigate it, and yeah, it, right. it, it, yeah. they... They don't seem to have learned the the lesson of this investigation that this is complicated things that require competence in COs uh, and that they aren't little practice things so that we can put them on aircraft carriers. Um, And you know, it's it's sort of a fitting recommendation on this investigation. when all the facts are in front of them, to look for a different solution than the obvious ones.
1: And the, there seems to be things that you can't touch. And that and that progression for the for the pilots, the brown shoe guys, to get to the carrier, uh, CO level is one of them. Because when when we were doing this, what twenty five years ago, that the Gator Navy was an identity. A lot of those guys were career Navy, Gator Navy. It was a status thing within the surface warfare guys. At least they said it was. But um, yeah. it's 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 most disturbing. And and again and again, I'm and I'm looking through these these uh, um, um, uh, the the opinions, the opinions of the Rear Admiral from, that did this thing. He talks about the internal communication aboard the Som, especially the CIC, the bridge, and the PCO within the CIC, were ineffective regarding AAV operations. Nonetheless. They were notified when it was in distress, and all the control stations acted as they were supposed to do. And in my opinion, the ineffective internal communications did not directly cause or contribute to the sinking. You see this over and over again, and it's puzzling. I, the, the Navy's never been shot about booting people before.
0: Well, well Again, we, we've talked about the Navy as a, as, as a service in decline and the rest of them. Relative to these kind of standards, not far not not far heading down the same path in the Navy, about what we expect of the people that lead these um that lead our ships and and again, the way you can disconnect and get your exacto knife out and says that it is speculative to say that if the boats if the safety boats were in the water that it will uh it would have prevented this mishap. I would say it's equally as speculative to to absolve them. Of that same responsibility, saying that the fact that they weren't right doesn't doesn't reflect on anything that the Somerset did. The Somerset was specifically tasked to provide a safety boat, right? If that safety boat goes to to uh, AAV number five, right, then quite possibly, right, it does not hit it, and everybody gets off the boat. Uh, everybody g- gets off the AAV, and to say that that wouldn't happen would be is as speculative as to say it would happen, okay? And so and, and so the, the seminal change to me in all of this is the attitude of, of senior officers, right, out in the Pacific Fleet that absolved the CO of the Somerset of this, when in the Old Navy there is no fucking way that anybody who performed like this and was a commanding officer of a warship would have been allowed to escape what should have been his rightful fate, which was to be relieved of the command of that ship and, and state in command of that ship for the entire fucking deployment. Uh, all right, final, final comments. Timmy, you want to what, go first?
1: Sure, sure, I'll go first. What's amazing to me as you look through this investigation, and it seems that what the Navy is finally doing in writing is instituting the type of SOPs that Will and Jeff were using 25 years ago and that we're, that were a standard part of of new of training. I, th- I think I, I get the distinct impression there was too much going on for these people to handle at their stage of development at the same time. Although, like Jeff says, it's a walk-run, you know, Piemann a, is a, is a crawl-walk thing. The ship was doing, it had an unrep scheduled, it's doing flight ops, it's got AAVs in the water, skippers nowhere to be found, it, it, it's the most confusing and disheartening thing you can you can read, and and I and I just I can't believe at the end of all this what they're going to do is go back to doing it the way that 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 we that we were doing it, and Jeff Jeff and Will specifically. And my final comment is the overreaction where it states that you must have two of the ship's safety boats in the water with AAV operations is going to come around and bite you in the ass because you've lost flexibility in training. And that's, that's going to be a, a re, another restriction or, or a constriction, a self-imposed constraint on our oppor- opportunities to train effectively with what's normally a very safe vehicle, as long as it's handled professionally.
0: Yeah. Jeff, final comment?
4: Yeah. Yes. And, and like I said before, the idea of payment is you do these operations, surface ops, and you do flight ops, yeah. particularly <laughs> on Little Deck. You do them – one at a time, and very basic, and you get your SOPs down. And these guys were very their their actions during this thing screams complacency about the stuff doing, trying to do well. You know, flight deck ops and well deck ops at the same time when they weren't really good at either yet. You know, is, is a is a <laughs> condemnation. And then the CEO's comments in uh you know in his uh in in the uh, findings of fact where he goes, I didn't know I was responsible the one deciding whether. She, people can come on my ship or not from the shore or leave, you know, that is just disingenuous. That's the type of thing Jen Saki would say up at, you know, on the, uh, you know, at the, uh, up in the uh, white house, it's just disingenuous. And, you know, and it basically insults the listener, you know, that's, uh, that's paying attention to this thing. And that's all you have to say. All
0: right. Well,
2: yeah, I'll say two things. Item one, uh, This investigation is uh, really, really good in that it lays out how things should be and exactly what happened on the Navy side. Uh, And anyone who's interested in this, I think you can learn a lot from that. It's really, really bad in the opinions of the investigating officer, the Mm -hmm. opinions of the first endorser, and the opinions of the final endorser, who's a compact fleet that basically absolves uh, the Navy uh, of direct responsibility for the death. So that's, that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing is I'll just tease General Mundy's investigation a little bit. So General Mundy was tasked to do an investigation after the Fredrickson investigation, and he looks at all the things that occurred up to the day of the operation. So he gets into all the maintenance and blah, 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 blah. And I believe that his opinions and recommendation. I think some of his recommendations are going to be in direct conflict with what the Navy is recommending here in some of these things, and uh, it'll be intriguing to me to see if anybody cares. Um, if you got a three-star general in the Marine Corps that says one thing and a three-star general in the Navy who says another thing about a Navy-Marine Corps operation, I think. The only people that can resolve that are the CNO, the Commandant, and the Secretary of the Navy, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they even address it uh, and what the conclusions come out of that. So that'll be sometime in the future.
0: Yeah, my,
4: my- I'm sure they'll be very collegial. I'm sure, they'll be very collegial about it. That's <laughs> what they do best. My- Nations fall, wars get lost, fucking. People get killed in terrorist attacks. They're NEOs. Yet everybody's so fucking collegial up there. You can't beat it.
0: (laughs) If you, my final comment would be this. If you read this, it's almost like we'd never done amphibious operations in the history of the Marine Corps. Honestly, I mean, this ship is an amphibious warship. Okay. This is, it's exactly right. This is, it's business. And so when you look at the, the, the combat information center, the things that you do while you're in port is you get everybody in the CIC and you say, okay, I've got a script, right? We're going to talk through and we're going to report some stuff and we're going to talk about how that information gets communicated inside our CIC and how we communicate to the bridge and back, okay? Because because oh. it's 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 like these are the dry runs you do, right? This is practicing blocking and tackling before you get in the game, so that when you get in the game, yeah. and and again, I did this out Twenty Nine Palms in tents, right, in preparation for you know. And again, it's shit like this, right? So and so just reports this, and so you have the journal clerk that says, you know, blah 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 blah, blah and you stop them and say hey, say it louder, and they say, blah, blah, blah. No, I said say it, announce it so everybody can hear it, okay? Everybody can fucking hear it. And then they, then they, they, and they learn how to do that, and that's the coaching that you do. Before you ever get anywhere near a serious repetition, and people are going to play, you bet your life on that, right? You have a dysfunctional commanding officer, right? And and you have a dysfunctional combat information center. And then, as Will just said, somehow or other, it gets absolved. And I will tell you this. um, um, And Jeff's comment about the collegiality, right? Um, And we just saw it relative to the hearings in Afghanistan. Nobody's relieved. Nobody made a mistake. It's just a colossal failure. But everybody tried as hard as they could. Well, fuck that. That's not how you win, right? And and again, as right. I, I know I'm repeating stuff, but but you look at the investigation, and then you look at the endorsements and the conclusion of the endorsements, and you think, like, that is not how, you know, the Navy used to be run. And I, I want to read you something that uh, Mike Marletto sent me. And Mike Marletto is a great fan of All-Marine Radio, and he has been for a long, long time. And he's former CO of 11th Marines, former, I believe, chief of staff of the 1st Marine Division. Right. Right. And he is a— in, map. Yeah, one, one map. map. And he's incredibly respected warfighter, you know, the fire support co- coordinator of uh, the march up under General Mattis. And he wrote me this, Old Navy, CO of the USS Frank Evans, was court-martialed and found guilty after the Evans collided with the HMAS Melbourne. He was asleep in his at sea cabin, and the OD and the watch team failed to carry out his orders to wake him up if there were any course or formation changes. Court-martial held him responsible for failing to train the watch team to carry out his orders. Today, everyone has an excuse for avoiding responsibility. And so that is the Navy that we grew up in. That is the Navy that was hard, and as Will said the other day, when, when sailors fought Marines, the issue was often in doubt, okay? <laughs> that is no longer it's the true. Navy. And, again, the sad part is the Navy is charting the course for the DOD in terms of this migration down this path where people are not held accountable. The dichotomy between the way the Navy treated its commanders and the way the Marine Corps treated its commanders, it could not be more stark, and again, it is once again another right. another indication of a service in decline. And they've got to get their shit together because the Chinese won't get their exacto knife out when they get ready to lay the fucking wood to the American Navy. And you better be up to it because if you're not, you're going to be dead. So, anyway, on that note, um, I appreciate... Well, but- I, well, I mean, it's just... Sickening. I you know, I read this and uh we were talking last night, Jeff. I I I did not think the investigation would be this bad. I got done reading the investigation and I felt worse than before I read it. And I felt horrible before yeah, I read forward. it. Yeah. So anyway. All right. On that note, thank you very much for uh your participation, everybody. And uh yeah. we will see right. th- We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Right, yeah. Roger
0: that. That'll do it on a Wednesday. Uh, I just want to reiterate something that—that that is this: that you know, we've all gone to sea repeatedly with the United States Navy, and um, it was—you know—it was a huge honor for us all of us, to go be part of whether it was a carrier battle group in my, uh, in my um, career or as a lieutenant, you know, we got on amphibious ships in uh, Okinawa uh, in part of what was probably a precursor to the 31st Mew. And, uh, you know, we're on the USS Juno for, I don't know, the better part of a couple weeks. Went and participated in Team Spirit. And then got off. So part of ship's company there. Or embarked tr- troops on what would become the 31st Mew. But we didn't call it that at the time. And then. Um, you know. And Will and Tim and Jeff. And all their various Mew experiences. I mean it's been a great honor for us. And, and I think we all say with pride. You know. That, that you know. You know. We are part of the Department of the Navy. And so. When this show in particular, we're not, it's not just Navy bashing that we showed up this morning and read the investigation and, and are doing, right? Um, will a Naval Academy grad, you know, Tim, you know, a uh, a wannabe SEAL who became a corpsman who then became a, a Marine infantry officer. And so, you know... I will tell you that in our discussions off the air this is painful for us. <laughs> um because we are huge fans of the United States Navy having gone around the world with them. And uh but let me tell you that the trend lines are unmistakable and um you know, God help us if the Navy cannot fix these trends the trend lines. And so, and I guess what's most concerning at the end of all of this is when you go through those finding of facts and then nobody's court-martialed. Nobody got fired over this on the Navy side of this. And, I mean, it just leaves you shaking your head. Um, I just got off the phone with Jeff before I recorded this little segment at the end. And I asked him, I said, hey, um, the mistakes that get made by the crew of the Somerset, are those within the left and right lateral limits? And he said, no, they were not. He said, when I'm speaking about payment, right, which is the preliminary training, right, the f- their first time at sea. He said, "What you expect is where these things go together. You're going to see some friction. What you're, what you don't expect to see, is people who don't know their jobs, because every one of these organizations on ship, whether it be the CIC, the Landing Force Operations Center, the the LFOC as it's known, which is a marine thing, or the functioning of the bridge, all those, you know, you get your reps in port." ...before you ever go to sea. And we were talking he said, no. He said, you expect to see a level of competency... ...you know, within their own realm. And then as they move back and forth... ...you expect to see some friction points... ...and that's why you do it. He said specifically... ...the communication between the CIC and the bridge... He said, look, that's a function of the ship. That should always be good. I said, yeah, that's my experience. You go down there and you practice it. The the dysfunction that you saw in this case, not worthy of the United States Navy. But again, the most concerning point is that admirals see this stuff and somehow or other, they fairy dust it and say, yeah, nobody should be court-martialed. You know, there's no there there. And that is probably the most concerning part of this. So uh, at the end of all this, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm Mike McNamara. On behalf of Will Cosentini, Jeff Kenny, Tim Lynch, uh, thank you very much for listening to this. Please keep the people who experience The consequences of this conduct, they pay the price every day for that, and that is the families and the loved ones of the eight Marines and the one sailor that were killed in this incident. So please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And on that note, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.